Hey, everybody, and welcome to this Christmas edition of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And, you know, we wanted to give you a little something extra this holiday season, and so tomorrow... We will be posting over on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast channel a conversation with Sage Catabriga Alosa about riding bikes and skiing, and you are going to get to hear how Sage sees and thinks about the similarities of riding and skiing. It is a fantastic conversation, so subscribe to our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast and check out that conversation tomorrow. And what we have for you today, right now in fact, is another edition of Shop Talk, where we talk with one of our Blister recommended shops to get their perspective on a mix of topics that range from broadly applicable to all of us everywhere, regardless of where we live, to topics that help us better understand what's going on in the specific local community that each shop serves. And our guest today is Chris Gersten, who is the founder of Backcountry Essentials in Bellingham, Washington. And if you somehow don't already know about Bellingham, well, first, that's really hard for me to even imagine at this point. But I'm just going to go ahead and let Chris himself tell you a bit more about Bellingham and the Bellingham community, as well as some of the gear that he thinks works really well for, say, skiing at Mount Baker, and also some of the gear that he really likes for going volcano skiing, which is a thing you do if you happen to live in the Pacific Northwest. And today's episode of Gear 30 is presented by Survivor and their Survivor Endurance phone case for the iPhone 12. Luke Coppa and I have both been using the Survivor Endurance case for a while now, and we both really like that it is a lightweight and pretty slim case that still offers solid protection for those inevitable crashes or phone drops that we all eventually have. And you can see this case and read more about my own experience using it on the Blister website. And so we'll include links to that write-up and to the Survivor Endurance product page over on verizon.com. So check it out and get that new phone of yours protected. And now let's talk about some beer and gear and Bellingham and disco outfits with Chris Gersten of Backcountry Essentials. Here we go. Chris, how are you today and where are you today? Uh, I'm well, thank you. Uh, and uh, I'm in our office supply closet with uh, blankets <laughs> up and a thermorest pad stapled to the uh, ceiling over the doorway to try and I isolate myself. Even though I can still hear that super loud phone going off from time to time in the background. So that phone is my new nemesis, uh, right? just so. so everybody knows. You may yeah, also yeah. hear some pounding in the background, and that'll be our ski techs tapping uh, skis for yeah. doing a mount. See, but, you know, I, this, I'm not mad about this. It's like we are talking to working people, and we're pulling them away from their jobs. And, you know, sometimes we're talking to folks in a factory or a working shop, 
and that comes with the territory, right? This is the this is cinema verite or something. <laughs> well, we're just going to uh, muddle our way through it as 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 best we can. Let's get this thing going. Tell us a little bit about how you describe backcountry essentials today. So backcountry essentials is uh, a local shop. We do new and used gear. Uh, we also have uh, samples and closeouts in town. We're considered that sometimes that mountaineering shop or that backcountry shop still, uh, although we do things, <laughs> all things uh, ski these days. I think the things that, you know, we are known for, aside from the used gear and the boot fitting, maybe our claim to fame is that we have a beer cooler on the mezzanine of our store. You know, that's 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 really what we're known for is uh, beer and gear uh, and used gear. And I would I think I would add one other thing. So because I think some people this is automatically going to click like, oh, OK, I got a sense of this shop. So you got a good beer fridge. You sell used gear and new gear, but you also install quiver killers, right? We do. We do. We try to be as technically sound as we can just across the board. Seems like a positive thing to try to be in life as technically sound as you can be. Seems seems right. Yeah, we're not perfect, but you know, we've built our, our reputation really word of mouth over the years. And so... We want to service the customers in, in all sorts of ways so that they don't really have to go anyplace else. I think we, we've hit our zone in between Seattle, uh, that we're 90 miles north of, and uh, Vancouver or Whistler, both of which have really good ski shops uh, in both places. And we are now hopefully that ski shop in the middle. I like the humility here, which is trying to be the decent ski shop in the middle. Everyone, you know, really likes to think that they're all that. I think our perspective is that we want to be all that, but there's a lot of other really good shops out there. So I want to ask you a little bit about Bellingham because I hear that place sucks. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I would disagree with that, of course. Uh, you know, we're quite proud of our of our uh, uh, backyard. <laughs> Bellingham is the city of subdued excitement. That's our, that's our nickname. Huh. And uh, man, it's a, it's a great place to be. We, you know, we have mountains and water and it's, it's always good to come back to the Northwest, you know? Yeah. It rains a hmm. lot, but we like it that way. We start to miss the rain towards the end of summer. I asked that question. I told Chris this was going to be one of the first questions I asked him that I I hear Bellingham sucks. And he kind of looked at me and was like, I'm not sure if you're joking or if, if we're going to fight now. Yeah, he put his dukes down, but I don't hear that Bellingham sucks. Quite the opposite. It's a, it's a great town to be in, you know, and I oftentimes describe uh, Mount Baker as being similar to how the, the Northwest likes our beer. You know, I don't know about other places quite so much, but in the Northwest, we're all about IPAs, right? In our beer cooler at one point, we were like 70% IPA. And I was asking our beer rep, I was like, is that a little, is that a little one-sided? He's like, not in this town. You could be 90% IPA and you'd still be on track. Uh, and for Mount Baker, it's, you know, if you like your dirty IPAs, Mount Baker's kind of dirty. You know, we got double angle fall lines, not a whole lot of wide open bowls, you know, um, it's, it's a hard place to ski. By the way, I think you might be 
the first person to ever talk about a ski area in terms of a beer. Life is, is, is interesting, right? And so what do we have to do but to, uh, to think of strange ways to relate to other things to, uh, I mean, that's, that's actually my life in, you know, starting this shop is uh, come up with a wing nut idea and, and try and make it happen. So let's talk about this wing nut idea of yours and talk about when you started the shop and what led to that wingnut decision. So we started in 2006. Uh, and at that point, I was a mental health counselor, a Native American reservation up here. Uh, my wife was doing all some office work for a friend's startup company. We were uh, just married. She was pregnant with our first child. And I was burning out on uh, the reservation work pretty quickly. Uh, I was probably one of the most uh, at-risk populations uh, working with their adolescents with maybe the least amount of structure uh, from a psychological perspective. Um, and a lot of drug and alcohol work, a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse. Um, and it, it was a hard place to, to be day in, day out. Uh, so I was coming up with all these different ideas. My background prior to working on the res was uh, doing wilderness therapy. And I had done that for a number of years, uh, both Wyoming and Oregon. And I was, you know, coming up with like this idea. And my wife would be like, uh, yeah, no, uh, or this idea. And she was like, nope, uh, veto. And uh, then there was a store, a local store in Bellingham that was shutting down. And uh, our friends down in Seattle, a great shop down there, uh, Second Ascent. Uh, the owner was Greg Shaw, and my wife had actually grown up with Greg. Uh, and he asked, you know, if we knew anything about the store that was closing, because they had contacted him and, you know, asked him if he wanted to buy their shop. And, you know, he said, I don't have any interest in buying somebody else's uh, business. But he, he said if he ever opened up a second location, he thought Bellingham would be the perfect place to do it. And so... So that kind of sat with me for about a week. And then I, again, posed the idea to my wife. And it was the first time that she actually was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. You know, like, I wonder if Greg would actually, you know, help us with some tips on how to do this. And he he's he offered to help, you know, sort of give us some advice along the way. We had our first child. And then about three months later, we opened the store. And we thought we were going to be maybe... 50% climbing and 50% skiing. And we thought we would be about one third new, one third closeouts and uh, one third used. And we were really wrong about almost all of it. You know, we, we turned into much more of a ski shop uh, than a climbing shop. That's really just part of our location. It's hard to be a climber, uh, like a rock climber in our location. Within two hours, we have access to world-class climbing. We lack a crag right here in Bellingham. Um, and at that point, we also lacked a, a climbing gym, um, which was one of the ideas, actually, that my wife shot down. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how we got our, our start, um, was 
was uh, following Greg's model of doing new and used and closeouts. And then over the years, you know, we kind of morphed into our own identity. Um, and uh, that's, you know, at the, we brought in the beer cooler uh, right around the, uh, cause we opened two years before the recession uh, hit. And uh, so we had a little bit of time to, uh, you know, to build a customer base um, and then, and then the recession came. And, uh, so we needed something that was recession proof. So that's where beer came in. Um, and, uh, you know, and then since then we expanded beyond just backcountry to doing all things, ski, um, Alpine. Uh. So your own background, were you primarily a skier? when you were thinking of starting this shop or were you also doing a decent amount of climbing? Uh, I was a climber before I was a skier. Uh, I mean, I had skied as a kid, um, but then uh, I had skied Alpine as a kid, but then, you know, college and I just didn't have the money for, for skiing. Uh, but I got into climbing and uh, you know, being a, being a dirt bag climber, uh, which I say as a, a term of affection, uh, was great. You know, it, it took me to all sorts of places. I got, you know, I sort of used climbing as the vehicle to go travel and see different places. One of the things that we figured out, like this was on a trip to Peru, a couple of buddies and I, we figured out like, wow, we are super average climbers, uh, <laughs> but we can party like rock stars. You're like, we're like uh, 513 partiers, uh, you know. So, you know, the store kind of reflects that. Uh, but we we actually, uh, we kicked out paddling to bring in the beer cooler, uh, which was a brilliant decision. We sold way more beer than paddle gear. If I were listening to this and thinking like, maybe I'd like to start a, a ski shop someday, pretty much it sounds like your advice for a business plan is just like, one, find a location to buy a beer cooler and then you're done if you think that it's something that your community would like try it because that's the question that i often ask myself is uh what would bellingham like i thought to myself you know what i think bellingham would like us to have a beer cooler i think i think they do sometimes in life the answers are simple you know i mean if your goal is to be a, a local shop, I think it's, I think it's, it is a simple question. I don't know, always know if the answers are simple. It's hard to, you know, to get over your own hurdles, um, to listen to what your customers are going to, are telling you and our, you know, I mean, maybe customers, friends, et cetera, et cetera. The line between business and personal life is really fuzzy for me a lot of the times, but going to a trailhead with friends more times than not, there's a beer waiting for us at on hmm. our way back. Interesting. I'm going to write this down. Is that not true everywhere? Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, it okay. is. It's I think a hundred percent true everywhere. I want to actually ask you about quiver killers just because, you know, it is not a secret at this point. We are seeing an uptick in interest in Alpine touring gear but I guess I'm not sure what that means for quiver killers. 
right? We're seeing now more sort of mainstream options come onto the market if certain people want a binding that they can use both inbounds and to walk uphill. So on the one hand, given the trend in backcountry stuff, it wouldn't surprise me to learn you're selling more quiver killers than ever. And it also wouldn't surprise me that given some of the new products on the market, you're maybe not selling as much as you used to. So what's the, what's the answer? I would say overall, not as much as we used to. Uh, there's definitely been that uptick in backcountry gear that crosses over into the Alpine world or vice versa, um, where unless maybe someone is still getting things quivered for if they want to switch back and forth between AT and Tele. Um, but I, I would definitely say I think we're doing less of them uh, because swapping between an Alpine and an AT binding you just don't need to do that anymore. You know, the shift, you know, started with the Kingpin and the Tecton and the shift. I had not anticipated that the answer would have been, at least in your shop, in your neck of the woods, you're seeing quiver killers used more for those folks who want to switch between AT and Tele. Well, I'm not saying there's a lot of that going on uh, or okay. ever was. It's kind of like we have the knowledge about maybe which crampons you're going to be able to put on a telly boot. That doesn't mean that there's a whole lot of telliers putting crampons on their boots so that they can still have their front points. You know, maybe 5% of telliers care and, and maybe 1% of that actually uses it, you know, anymore at least. You know, at, at this point, being a proud telly skier, I, I don't know that I've tried to talk anybody into telly skiing in the last 10 years. Um, there's, there's absolutely, unless you love the style of turn and, and the feel of it, there's really no reason to ski telly. You're going to have like nine people super mad at you right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, and I, I will say, cause you know, we still, we got, we're on the hook. We have to make this telly ski video. So I asked you like, tell me, Chris, what's your advice? Do you, you mind sharing with the folks what you told me? You know, probably to make the most out of your, your, your telly day, probably the best thing you can do is to wear some disco. Um, <laughs> and that, that seems to go hand in hand. I think everyone needs a little more disco in their life, to be honest. So, yeah, if, you, if you're going to learn to pick up some telly and as you're going ass over tea kettle, you might as well leave, you know, some, uh, some bling behind. Okay, well... I was hoping to maybe get more of a specific technique tip or something, but what I like about the answer, I guess, is when I'm blowing up and crashing everywhere, some people on the chairlifts might think that I'm crashing ironically as opposed to, no, just actually crashing. I don't know. So maybe this works. Let's talk a little bit more about gear. I, I just always find it interesting to get to check in you know, with one of our recommended shops and just talk about some of the products that you all at your shop in a given location are particularly interested in or into. And, and I guess maybe a related question is whether the stuff, the products that you guys really like at the shop, if in fact that seems to be translating well with what 
skiers coming into the shop are asking about or maybe they don't know coming in, but you end up outfitting folks on certain products and then you're getting positive feedback. So in your neck of the woods, talk to us about a few pieces of gear that you guys like. Yeah. So, I mean, to answer your, your, your question, uh, we built shit out of the shift. <laughs> okay. I mean, it fits our area. You know, if because Baker is a big slack country totally area, which you've already said, yeah, th- okay, yeah. So I mean, we we that that shift binding, uh, and just that fits exactly. Like I know there was other shops at some point they were talking about needing to change up their inventory to a little more backcountry oriented for these COVID times, right? I didn't I didn't really have any of that because what we sell in any given year is the same as what's selling really well this year right now huh um interesting yeah so no i mean we, we if there's i mean again one binding to rule them all it is the shift right now mm-hmm. and for the volcano crowd when you've got folks now that are a lot more interested in not so much baker and its slack country but like long days trying to move fast. Give me the one or two bindings for that market on the low tech side where you are just seeing like they're, they've been popular and we are not having complaints come back from, from the volcano crowd. Well, those are two kind of two different things. You know, I think Dinafit still rules it, you know, by bandaid, you know, I mean, that's who they are. Right. I mean, that's basically people come in and they ask for a Dina fit. Uh-huh. Is that really the same as like the best binding is, is questionable. Um, that's again, one of those areas where the Alpine companies are coming in and they're doing what the backcountry companies have done, but they're doing it better. <laughs> I know in our area, at least a few years ago, Dinafit took a real hit uh, from what I was hearing from reps and sales managers uh, in terms of the total volume of business they were doing and where that business has gone to. And it started with the kingpin. And, you know, now I think, you know, for me, it's definitely um, the tecton is probably you know because of the weight factor there and the safety factor of the toe piece for that volcano crowd that's where i would say it i would think that a tecton you know because huh. yeah you're getting a little bit of a, a weight penalty there um compared to like the ultra lights and and yeah we're, we're seeing people who are skiing that you know sub 300 gram binding that as far as i mean you go up to come down so what, what's going to be fun? And I, I still think that uh, I'm going to have a better day. And I think most Alpine people are going to have a better day with, a, with that heel piece um, that, that allows you to drive that ski in a much different way. Um, and then, you know, and then there's skis, right? And what, what ski is going to go along with that? And I oftentimes downplay the importance of the ski, you know, it's, it's a board, you stand on it, you go downhill, it's fast, it's fun. Okay. It's fun. You know, that's, that's that. Uh, but there are still a few standout skis, especially for that volcano kit. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is definitely 
the the zero the blizzard zero g 95 and I, I don't know if you've had a chance to get on that ski i've skied it toured it on volcanoes actually it was one of the first times i ever toured on that and it's phenomenal for that application it totally is i mean and that is a ski that for as light as it is if you i mean that ski makes the argument that if you get stuck skiing inbounds you're still going to have a good day and part of that is that you know we have um, we have a whole quiver of those skis, the the Zero G ninety fives, mostly mounted with uh, kingpins. And again, it's because it's worth the weight penalty to be able to ski that ski anywhere. And the kingpin really does help it feel more solid in variable conditions. And and you know I mean think about uh, skiing something like Mount Baker, the volcano top you know thousand feet probably going to be icy you're going to have pretty good snow you know in the middle pretty good conditions but then we're in washington and if you're skiing you know the volcanoes which we do you know into july it's going to be pretty soupy towards the bottom uh i mean i even years ago skied the uh oh what was that the carbon megawatt black diamond Man, never thought I'd be taking a ski that's 120 underfoot, you know, up Mount Baker. But talk about a ski that was super fun in the soup at the bottom. That thing's a water ski, right? So, yeah, super fun. Any other skis you want to mention before I let you get back to, you know, your job? This year, we brought in quite a few skis um, that I think would all make great volcano skis. The, there's just been a proliferation of skis under 1,700 grams. Um, mm -hmm. really down into that 1500 gram zone that, that all make really great backcountry volcano and, and will even ski in bounds really well. Again, back to blizzard with the zero G one Oh five, pretty, maybe the stoutest, the skis that I'm going to mention the, uh, the K two way back one Oh six, uh, yep. not, <laughs> I don't know if this will get me into trouble, but not having always been a huge fan of a two skis. Uh, they did something really special with that ski to make it ski better than what I've experienced in K2s in the past. Hmm. Um, you know, people talk about K2 and they have that big sweet spot. So they're real friendly to ski. But in a lot of ways, and it, maybe some of this comes from a telly perspective, um, that sweet spot also sort of went, became... Um, uh, just sort of blase. <laughs> um, it didn't give a whole lot back to you. You know, you load that ski up through a turn and I like a ski that pops you into that next turn. Uh, and this ski, the Wayback 106, sort of gets back to that it, more than some of the other K2s have. And then uh, the last, you know, couple of skis are the, uh, from Atomic, Backland 100 and 107, the, you know, the 100 being a 1400 and change uh, gram ski and the 107 being, you know, 1550 grams, you know, a lot of just user friendliness in that ski. Does it ski a, a little bit different than the Bent Chetler 100? Yeah, but not that much, not for how much weight you're losing. I think that, you know, it, Atomic did a great job with, with both of those skis. So give me one or two of your favorite baker skis right now i'm probably the hottest 
I, I, and I, we have this in the uh, in our demo fleet, and I'm I'm we've just been too busy to quiver kill that ski uh, for Telly, but the uh, the line Sakana 106, I kind of just have a love of of that ski at the moment. Um, it, it's super fun for how playful it is. I just need to put a lot more time on that ski to really kind of dial in why it skis so well. But that swallowtail, to me, I guess my, my initial hit on it is that, you know, there's a difference between a ski with a flat tail and a, and a rockered tail in terms of the feel between the two. And that Sakana with the swallowtail feels like it's the middle ground where it makes a lot of different shape turns, um, but you can still load it up and get you that pop next turn. So I, I really like that ski. The Vocal Revolt 104, another like playful, hard charging when you want it to be, makes a lot of different shape turns. So that's great. And then maybe the most Baker-esque of the skis because uh, LibTech uh, oftentimes uh, uses Baker for their testing ground and, and the Baker Ski Patrol for their testers. But the UFO 105 from Lib, Lib is, is, there's something about that magnet traction. You know, you never really know like, oh, is this kind of hype or is right. this for real? And I would say magnet traction's every bit for real in terms of taking a wide board and uh, helping it to like be fun on hard pack. If it's not a powder day, those things rail. So yeah, they're fun. Well, Chris, this has been fun. Thanks for getting into the closet, <laughs> you know, for this for this call. I appreciate that. Anytime. Um, anytime. And it's cool to hear uh, one the business plan that you've now laid out for all potential shops. You know, find a spot, get a beer cooler. Yes. Oh, and then there was the part about maybe find out what your community wants and try to address that. That's probably a a worthwhile third point to add, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe the most important part, but yeah. <laughs> okay. But, we'll or, move that up. Or at least second behind the beer cooler. <laughs> but it sure seems from everything we know about backcountry essentials and the folks, our friends in Bellingham and the rest, it sure seems like you guys have done a pretty solid job of addressing the wants and needs of the Bellingham community. And, you know, so kudos. Well, thank you. It's it's always nice to hear. Uh, my staff work really hard, so uh, the credit really goes to them. They're they're fantastic, and uh, and thanks to you for for inviting me up to to chat with you. Yeah, well, you know, and while I hear Bellingham kind of sucks, <laughs> I I uh, you know I secretly am hoping to get out there. I you know I do have some friends in the area, and it would be fun to whenever we're back just traveling freely again to uh, go connect with them, stop in, maybe have a beer at your shop. Yeah, uh, I would uh, I, I would hope that maybe we would be on your list to, uh, to, to, <laughs> to let us know that you're coming into the area and be great to, to get out into the backcountry with you. Volcano, Baker backcountry, mm. whatever you like. It'd be fun to, to, to go get a ski day. I think, I think we need to make this happen. So, um, well, hey, thanks again for the time. And uh, please say hello to all of the staff at Backcountry Essentials from those of us here at Blister and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Same to you. You guys are doing great. 
Okay, it is time now for our What We're Celebrating This Week segment. And this is pretty fitting since this is our last What We're Celebrating segment of the year 2020. And I say it's fitting because uh, this has been a tough year. There have been some really hard things. There have been some really good things, I think, emerging from the year. And so this week, what we're going to be talking about, I think, is very much in keeping just with this year of 2020. This week, we are celebrating the life of King George, who is the wonderful, incredible dog of our podcast editor and great friend, Justin Bob. And George was just simply a beloved friend of so many countless people, and he is going to be sorely missed. Personally, I have just so many memories of King George. One of my, I think, favorite ski tours that Justin, Bob, and I ever went on, it was a particular day, and we skinned up Scene Nombre, and as always, George was right there with us, and even on the last, like, steepest section of the climb, George was absolutely kicking my ass as we were basically just scrambling at that point. George was an incredible little dog in the mountains, and mostly, I remember from that day, we just got on top of the summit. Justin, of course, broke out some, like, cheap plastic neon colored sunglasses and we stood there just taking like a billion photos of George on the summit. Another of my favorite memories is that George was over at my house right there with Justin as we were kind of trying to figure out how to edit and produce our very first podcast episode ever back in 2015 and I remember J-Bob and I were kind of starting to work through the night and eventually George just went and kind of cuddled up with my dogs and they were sitting there sleeping on the carpet. I actually sent Justin this photo the other day. George was just a part of this whole podcast journey literally from the jump. And then finally, I think the thing that I have to probably remember and talk about first and foremost is that Georgie had this very distinctive greeting every single time he saw me. I don't know if he did this with other people, but literally every time that I would see George, it was like he wasn't done or hadn't quite got his greeting in until he figured out how to sneak up on me, jump up and just kick me right in the nuts as hard as he possibly could. And he always managed to pull it off. It might take, I, you know, I would see him and I knew to be on the defense, but then he would kind of like just start chilling out and I would let my guard down. And the next thing you knew, wham, like George was like, what's up, dude? I got you once again. That was the greeting. I don't know where it came from or what I ever did, but... That was, uh, that was apparently my thing with, uh, with George. And so anyway, we have lost a really good one. I'm so sorry, Justin. And tonight I will definitely be raising a glass of 15-year-old Whistlepig rye whiskey to our friend Georgie and to J-Bob and to his wife Mel and to their kids, uh, who I am sure are going to be missing George dearly these holidays. Well, 
at least I also know that you all are going to be cherishing the years and years that you got to spend with the king, King George. And so that is what we are celebrating this week. 2020, you have been a hell of a year. And here's to all of us making our way through it. And here is certainly hoping for an even better, hopefully much better 2021. And that then brings us to this last episode of Gear 30 for the year 2020. I want to say thanks to Chris for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening. From all of us here in Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon. And actually, that's tomorrow, where you can catch my conversation with the one and only Sage Cataburga Alosa, talking bikes and skis over on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast. So check that out and happy holidays.